Look at my butt. Show number 274 of Look at His Butt. LT and JK talk track. Hey, listeners. Here we are. We're here. We're back. Welcome. We uh, we were in the presence of William Shatner this morning, virtually, not in real life, because no one is allowed to do that. But we saw him talk at a virtual conference. That's the first virtual conference I've ever been to. I think that wasn't like academic or work oriented. Uh, right. Me too. Yeah. I thought it worked pretty well. It did. It, it worked extremely well. I, who always has technical problems, had none. And there seemed to be no problems with um, on Bill's end or the, mm-hmm. the moderator's end. And they were not together in the same place. Mm-hmm. So all in all, I've, I thought it was a win. And, you know, Bill was chatting. And uh, the guy, the interviewer, whose name was Patty. Yeah, um, he was good. Was asking questions. And then Bill took questions, which we, those who wanted to ask questions could type them in. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Yes, it was, it was fun. It was interesting. Bill looked good. He did look good. Uh, so this was called Gal- Galaxy Con, right? Galaxy Con. Yes. And uh, the tickets for this particular part of it were pretty cheap. I think they were only $5 a piece. But you, of course, being the clever person that you are, you got us free tickets, which was awesome. I know. <laughs> and I, did, I was trying to think, where did I get these? But something showed up somewhere that said, you can get the ticket for free. Use this code. I was going, it's only $5, but I'm using the code. Sure, so of course. So. We saw it for free. It was good. Which makes makes it better. Um, there were over a thousand people who were also mm-hmm. logged on at the same time. Uh, the way it was, you, you logged in and on your screen, there were two video boxes, one on the left and one on the right. The interviewer was on the left and Bill was on the right. And then below it, there was a huge chat box. So um, people who were participating were just typing things in, and I believe that's where the interviewer was pulling questions from, just the chat yes. that was scrolling by. So about half of it was stuff that the interviewer had prepared, and I thought he did a great job, and, and Bill was very good answering questions, and then they started to take some questions from the audience, and I thought they also did a good job selecting questions. It wasn't the usual things that we've heard eight million times before. Right. And I was really afraid they were just going to go, okay, here's the next question. Here's the next question. And I really do think they were, I don't know what you would say, being selective. Yeah, they were. And, you know, I noticed that Bill at one point stopped and said, do you want me to make my answer shorter? Because he was going into quite a bit of depth for each of the questions. Mm-hmm. And I, I could see, you know, he was sort of concerned that they weren't taking enough questions. And the interviewer was like, nope, just keep doing what you're doing. This is great. He's going, you're William Shatner. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes, Mr. Shatner, just keep answering questions. This is Yeah. Awesome. Are you going to tell him, you know, don't talk so much. <laughs> <laughs> That's what people came here for. Yeah. But you know what was strange? What was very strange to me and very different from every other time we've seen him, quote unquote, live, because there was no audience, yes. there wasn't this energy yes. for Bill to feed off of. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying too. he was down, but it was like, you know, more of a a, a, a level thing. And, you know, mm-hmm. he gets very excited and rambunctious when he's in front of the audience. Yep, I totally agree. I was noticing that and I think he felt it too that this mm-hmm. was much more like an interview than it was like yes, a performance in front of a, a group of people. So mm-hmm. that was really interesting, but I felt like he 
he was very good at remembering the names of the people who had asked the questions, which mm-hmm. was good. Um, and he really did a good job, not just giving superficial answers that we've all heard before. You know, he tried to find something new and different to say to each person and, and made a point of saying, he stopped everything. and was like, this is, I've never done this before. This is all new. This is amazing. <laughs> you know, I'm communicating with you right now. You're a little green dot on my screen, but I'm reaching out <laughs> and I'm right. making contact with you. <laughs> it was like, okay, Bill. <laughs> he's, yep, that is true. Bill Shatner discovers Zoom and he's amazed. Um, <laughs> and he loved it, he, I think. He, I think he did too. So he looked like he was in the kitchen of his house, right? Yes, we got to see, you know, a little bit of his house there in the background. But in the background, you could see, like, the type of chandelier you'd mm-hmm. have over a dining table, mm-hmm. maybe. Yep. So, um, I was very glad to hear that he is still riding. Yes. Because we had been talking about that, mm-hmm. you know, if that was something he was going to have to give up soon or maybe had already had to. But it sounds like, nope, he's getting out on his horses and working on reining and... Yep. You know, so so that's good. Yeah, I I actually think, and I think he would acknowledge this, that this isolation has been really good for him. Um, he talked about how it's really given him a chance to reconnect with his family virtually. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they have weekly meetings and everybody's there and they talk about it. And it's made him slow down a little bit. So he's mm-hmm. been taking better care of himself. He's been working out. He's been riding. He's been eating better. And I thought he, he just looked a lot better than we've seen him in some public appearances before the pandemic started. You yes. Know, his color was good. I, it looked like he lost a little weight. Mm-hmm. His face looks slimmer. Um, he didn't have a lot of makeup on like he does for TV interviews. If but he I had he... any on, I no. was kind of looking at one point, you know, mm-hmm. to see. And I was wondering, you know, when he does the cons, when he's out on that stage, I don't think he puts makeup on for those. I don't think so. Do and and um, no, when we've seen him, I mean, there have been times when he looked really flushed or sunburned or something. Mm-hmm. But he looked great. Yes. He just looked very he normal. Did. And he has his new uh, very... Uh, gray hair, which I think is very flattering yes. to him. It looks very nice. Yes, silver fox. Yes, yes indeed. Look, I'm glad he finally dropped the salt and pepper thing. He looks better now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. So um, I took a few notes as well. Uh, so first of all, he did a good job shilling, as he always does. He mm-hmm. managed to bring up the unexplained terrible show several times. Yes. Talked about the albums that he's recording. He's got several albums mm-hmm. coming out and then he he started what did he say i'm i'm going to be selling different kinds of things that i can't talk about and i just thought what the hell are you doing now i don't know he was very uh i don't know secretive about what those different kinds of things might be well that's what i was wondering um if it's going to be things in the the william shatner store you know mm-hmm. online or had he sort of segued talking about pitching things to people that he had a ton of ideas and if that was the selling but I wouldn't refer to that as selling things so we're just gonna have to wait and see on that it was just so funny because it seemed like he got all excited to start talking about this stuff and then realized he couldn't Mm -hmm. actually talk about this stuff and so he had to couch it in very (laughs) vague terms I'm going to be selling different kinds of things Okay, Bill. That sounds good. <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> More importantly, he's still wearing his wedding ring. I noticed that. 
And, and <laughs> he referred to his wife. I was like, what? What are you talking about? He was telling a story about he was driving around a week ago or something with his wife. Yeah. And I thought, okay, has Bill, like me, totally lost track of time in this pandemic quarantine thing? Um, or is it a story that happened a year or two ago and mm-hmm. he just, you know, is telling it more currently? Or did he make it all up? Or was it his girlfriend? I was flabbergasted by that. I did not know what he I was too. That. I wrote that note in all caps. <laughs> <laughs> all So the one thing I could think of, besides the possibilities that you have enumerated, is that Mm -hmm. he wasn't actually in the car with, say, Elizabeth, for example, that he was, Mm -hmm. because he was talking about the dogs and he was taking the dogs somewhere. Yes. So maybe he was in the car with the dogs, but he was on the phone with someone and maybe he was talking to Elizabeth and he's still calling her my wife or maybe he has a new girlfriend and he's talking about her. That's all I could think of. Yeah. Weird. That is so weird. I wouldn't have the guts to ask him, why are you still wearing your wedding ring? Oh, no way. I would not. No, 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 no. No, would not. And I'm usually pretty gutsy, but that's getting, that's really crossing the line. Oh, yeah. That's way too personal. And and, uh, so I was just, uh, yeah, very, very surprised by that. So I don't know. He, the, the main thing was he said and seemed really happy. You know, he's yes. He's seeing his family. He's in his beautiful, lovely, renovated home. He's riding his horses. He's got his dogs. He really seems a lot happier than I think we've seen him in other interviews in the past. He seemed really relaxed and really kind of cool with his life, which is really nice. Well, you know what the thing is? Um, we've seen him like being interviewed on television, and that's... You know, that's one setting, and you're kind of prepared for that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you've got this television persona or, or setting or whatever. This was kind of like that, but it was a convention, but it was not in a convention setting. Mm-hmm. So I think he was more relaxed that it was not like a formal interview. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But he couldn't, you know, or he didn't, like, get as jokey and... You know, as he does at a convention, but at a convention, he could run all over the stage and everything if he wants. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, he did seem, he did seem very much, I hate to say at home, but you know, that very relaxed and comfortable. And, uh, you know, he is keeping in touch with his family, which, you know, very important when you're isolated like this. Mm -hmm. And he said his health is good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, you know, that he's busy with so many other things. But one thing... I picked up and it went by really fast. He's working on another autobiography. Oh, I didn't catch that. That went right by me. He said something about, and I've got like one more chapter to go on my autobiography. And I'm like, what? (laughs) (laughs) What's the point of view this time? Wow. Okay. Uh, He loves to write, (laughs) write quotes. He He does. (laughs) Yes. Well, you know, so that's uh, something maybe that is going to happen. You know, if this had been more in the moment mm-hmm. you know i would have said what autobiography is this you know for for my question but um okay we'll just have to wait and see what comes out yeah interesting okay yeah that that just i didn't catch that at all so hmm, very, very oh, yeah it went by pretty quick but i'm pretty sure he did refer to it as an autobiography yeah uh, 
I wouldn't doubt it. You know, he's probably got three more autobiographies in him at this point. <laughs> yeah, one every five years, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, he certainly packs enough into five years to write another autobiography. I know. Oh, man. <laughs> So it was pretty fun to do that, I will say. It was uh, a good thing. I hope he does more of them. I'd be willing to sit through some more of those. It was kind of kind of, kind mm-hmm. of cool. Yeah. yeah, it's a way of uh, at least keeping the, the fan connection alive without arguing with them, you know, like he does on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And uh, keep the whole idea of the, the fan conventions going, mm-hmm. you know. Yep. It, I think it's great that he was, you know, said, yeah, I'll do that instead. And I'm hoping other people did. I didn't stay tuned in or, you know, go to the website to see who else. Oh, no, me neither. If I, anyone was doing it, you know. Yeah, it was, but, uh, it was early for me, so I went and had breakfast after it was over. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I, I'm glad he's. it also keeps him safe. That's the other part, that he can mm-hmm. interact with people yes. in a very, very safe way. So that was good. I wanted to yep. mention before we leave this topic, speaking of connecting with people on the internet, we did a watch along of Impulse a a week ago. And man, was that fun. That was super fun. I really, really liked that. It really, it really was. I I hadn't seen the whole thing in quite some time. And it's not like I've forgotten anything (laughs) that happens. But you know, when you know certain things are coming up, like the pointing, mm-hmm. I, I just got really excited. Oh, me too. I was just ready for it. There it is, the pointing. So uh, we're, <laughs> we're going to do that again. And we've had a request to do a specific episode. So we could definitely do that. And who knows, maybe we'll do some other um, fun bill things as well. But it was great. So listeners, if you're at all interested, keep checking on the Facebook page, because that's where we were posting a lot of the announcements or email mm-hmm. us. And we can let you know the next time we decide to do one because we definitely will because hey man it's free and it's fun and we just love connecting with people that way it was great it was a lot of fun yeah Yeah, we gotta now that we know the technology is workable Mm -hmm. yes so okay are we ready wait one more thing oh yes at GalaxyCon this morning oh yes bill answered my question he did oh my god i was sitting here at my computer and it came up and it said kitty asks and i went oh <laughs> she she did it she managed by magic to get her question chosen <laughs> for bill to answer well you know i just can't not mm-hmm. do it you know if there's an opportunity i could not remember the question that we talked about in one of our shows three or four back that we went, ooh, that would be a good question. Mm-hmm. Couldn't remember it. And, you know, I'm so busy doing nothing that I couldn't, like, listen to three or four shows <laughs> to find it. So, um, you know, I just had to go with something. And so I asked him, you know, I said, you've worked with so many people, and who, um, like, gave you a good piece of advice or, or influenced you? And I was hoping, you know, he would talk about actors he has worked with mm-hmm. or directors. But instead, he said, you know, the people who influenced him were um, Sir Lawrence Olivier and Marlon Brando, mm-hmm. which I found very interesting. Unusual. Yeah, I wouldn't have expected him to say Brando yeah. of, of all people. Yeah. It was a good answer. And he spent some time talking about the reasons for it. And um, through the magic of the Internet, I have audio captured that. So I'm going to drop that Yay. in at the end of the episode so you can all hear the question and then you can hear Bill's answer to it because it's good and amazing. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're so good at that. You know, you've gotten hugs from him. You've asked oh, questions. Well, that he's one, hug, oh. one hug. One <laughs> hug. 
Well, you've got the magic touch. There's no doubt about it. Something, you know, I don't know. There's certain types of opportunities I just have to jump into, you know. Well, you're taking Bill's advice. Bill's one of them. You're, you're, <laughs> you're saying yes. You're going out there and you're, you're grabbing that opportunity by the throat. It's great. You know, what was strange was when, you know, the thing came up. Okay, this question is from Kitty. At every convention I'm at or anything, you know, like this, when I meet him, I always introduce myself. I say, hi, Bill, I'm Kitty. And he always says, hi, Kitty. And when it came up, you know, Kitty is going to ask, I honest God, for one brief second thought he was going to go, Kitty, is that you? <laughs> I'm there all the time. And then when I dream about him, we're really good friends oh. in the dreams. So <laughs> maybe he was thinking it. You never know. You never know. Mm. <laughs> what What if it had been a different Kitty? Oh, <laughs> That, then it would have been confusing. It would have been very, very confusing. Yeah. He would have started saying very things to you like, oh, remember that time that we got drunk and, you know, burned down the, <laughs> the bar? Or the barn? <laughs> uh-huh. Sure. Uh, he was also drinking yeah. LaCroix. I noticed that. Okay, I was trying to see what it was, and yeah. I couldn't see a, a, a label or a logo. Yes, or it was La LaCroix. So thank you for bringing that up. In the green can. I don't remember what flavor that is, but maybe it was like a, a very lightly flavored lime fizzy water, but that was that was his drink of choice. With Kahlua. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that was a nice way to start off a Saturday, for sure. Oh, sure was. It was great, and uh, we'll we'll keep doing it if they do it. But now let's talk about something else that's extremely exciting. It, it's it's so exciting when I first when the words first appeared in my little news feed, it was like electricity went through me. It it certainly was. I think I might have even pumped my fist in the air and went yes yes <laughs> yes because the Pike Show. I know I made some noises. Yeah. <laughs> It's the it's the Captain Pike show. It's gonna be great. It's and there's It's not puppets. It's not puppets. <laughs> it's called Strange New Worlds. It's gonna be on CBS All Access. And the best part of all is that it's gonna be episodic, which is great. It is oh. it's gonna be TOS like mm -hmm. in that way. And it sounds like they're aiming for that sort of feel with the uh, storylines. And you know, just in case someone hasn't heard this yet um it is going to be anson mount playing mm -hmm. captain pike as we saw him in uh discovery and ethan peck yes uh as spock and rebecca ramjan as number one yep and uh i've been reading a little bit they're thinking they maybe might have dr piper <gasps> oh that would be good yeah but um nothing nothing firm on that no. I am so excited. I know I don't sound it oh. now, but I was at the time. I was just oh. like jumping around and going, this is amazing. I'm so happy. Of course, it's not going to be available to watch for another year and a half, probably, because... At the earliest, yeah, yeah you know, because everything's shut down. But, you know, I think in uh, writing an email to you about this, I said, and this is absolutely true, this is what I have wanted, at least what I think it's going to be, is what I've wanted ever since they started TNG. Yeah. I was looking for another hot, smart, <laughs> fun, authoritative captain. Yeah. And we've gone through a lot of captains, <laughs> a lot of adventures, and some of them really good, and some of them I couldn't get interested in at all. But 
that this is like, this is going to give me my youth back. <laughs> I agree. I am so, so jazzed for Anson Mount. He's so good. You know, who would have thought he's been around, right? He, I, now I know a little yes. more about him. He's been in loads of things. He's, he was in that terrible Inhumans adaptation that I didn't watch and um, a comic book thing. And he, mm-hmm. he's played Westerns and he's played other people and they just kind of said he's the guy he's going to be captain pike and then he embodied captain pike it very much felt to me like what we always say when you watch tos for the first time the very Mm -hmm. first episode right kirk is there shatner just nails it it from the first minute that you see him and he never changed he was always captain kirk and i felt that way about captain pike like as soon as he was on screen it's like there he is that's the guy yes that's obviously Captain Pike, and yeah. that well, that's like what I was saying—a a full-bodied characterization, yeah. and that he had he can play the drama and the lightness, mm-hmm. which you know Shatner was so good at. Yep, and uh, and and he's the captain, right? He's the guy that everybody captain follows. They look up to him. They're gonna lay down their they lives for him. Damn well, better. <laughs> He is the goddamn captain. So uh, he's he's just amazing how he he did that. I don't know. Is this some magic or something like that? He's just great. It's like he, he, you know, he came on the screen and it was like, oh, yeah, this is a starship captain. Yeah. yeah you know? Yeah. yeah. So while I am excited <sighs> about Ethan Peck and, and Rebecca Romjan, who I think are great, I am most excited to see him be Captain Pike because I think absolutely he's the heart of this thing. And he just is going to hold it all together in the way that Kirk held TOS together. Uh, mm-hmm. It's going to be so awesome. Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> I know. I just, I just am so excited about it. But I keep thinking about it. I may have shared this on an earlier show, but it made me laugh so hard. I had read an interview with him a few months back. And he had been at a convention on stage with all these Star Trek stars, Mm -hmm. you know, which he did not regard himself as one Mm -hmm, of them, mm -hmm. you know, but he had a good time. And they're they're going down the line and they're going, oh, well, I'm starting filming on this and another one's got this great show and another one just got back from climbing mountains Mm -hmm. and they're going all down the line and then they get to him and he goes, um, I've been mowing my lawn. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, he's a funny guy. He's a very funny guy. Oh, yeah. This is going to be good. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be great. All right. So, of course, with this announcement, there have been many think pieces produced in uh, the media. And so we're going to talk about two of them, one of them good and one of them sucky. So let's do the sucky (laughs) one first and just get it out of the way. The first one is uh, in fan-sided, which I don't remember hearing about, but anyway, it's called Five Things Star Trek Strange New Worlds Can Give Fans, and most of them are wrong. So the first one is... This is so true. The first thing that, that the new series should give is Pissy James Kirk. So... It's the hope of seeing young cadet age James Kirk acting like a little punk. It would be golden. It should be played for lighthearted flair, like in Star Trek 2009. No! 
that was what was wrong <laughs> with that movie. That was the whole point <laughs> yes. of why that was wrong. So no, please don't do that. I would be very happy if Kirk never showed up in Strange New Worlds. Really pretty happy. Really. And, you know, I had read something that they were thinking, ooh, maybe we should, you know, have Uhura show up. Mm. And I'm going, okay, if these people show up, they should be like 13. Yeah. Or 14, you know. And honest to God, I don't care. No, let's not go back. Let's just keep the focus on the people who are in it. So number mm-hmm. two, more Carol Marcus. Marcus is misspelled. Uh, if she's anything like the Into Darkness version with that calm and almost aloof-like demeanor, this person doesn't know English, uh, where she's so focused on <laughs> something think? that she forgets about everything else, she should absolutely be involved. And just takes as, her clothes off, yeah. Right. If she's as gorgeous as Alice Eve, that's just a perk. So no, let's not do that. That would no, be another mistake. Well, remember, we talked about this with Discovery, not necessarily about um, Carol Marcus, but the idea of make your own way and that they did so well in TNG. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't even reference uh, TOS characters for, I don't know, four years or something. Yeah, four seasons. Yep, for sure. And and uh, the, the writers were forbidden to mention Kirk. Mm-hmm. Good so, choice. Damn, establish <laughs> your, okay, <laughs> establish your own thing, your own yeah. people. Don't base your stories or not every story on things that are going to come up later in TOS. Mm-hmm. Let's see your adventure. One yep. or two of those would be nice, but I don't don't want to feel like, you know, they, they, they're using them as training wheels, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Training wheels, that's a really good way of putting it. They don't need that at this oh, point. Thank you. They really don't. Yeah. Um, we are all so jazzed, so excited. Hit us with it. Yeah. Number three, Captain Pike trying to change his fate. Uh, maybe seeing him rebel against something so preordained would work. It would certainly be a twist to the captain's chair, as no other mainline captain has had his painful future so predictably handed to him. So I could see that. I, But again, I don't want that to be the whole focus of this, right? Like, w- No, and they're saying in the next sentence, that could also be the show's theme. I'm going, no, don't no. do that. But if, if that which was established that he knows it's going to happen, which I thought was an amazing step forward in upping the drama. Mm -hmm. Um, If that is referenced, you know, or if we see an episode where he really deals with it, great. But I I don't want, I don't, I don't know. I just don't like that idea of it being overplayed. Yeah, me too. You know, like we're going to have every episode end with, Everybody on the bridge has a laugh. Ah, ha, 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 ha. And then, you know, there's a cut to Pike looking sad and he's thinking of his future in a wheelchair with his face melting, right? Like, no, I don't want that right. at the end of every episode. <laughs> I want a clock at the end of every episode that's counting down <laughs> to his death. Oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> Number four, Archer cameo. They want, oh, God, they misspelled Jonathan Archer's name as well. No, I don't want oh, yeah. I don't want a cameo from Jonathan Archer in here. No. No. Um there's a, a huge percentage of us that would go who? Yeah, that too. Who, who are we, who is that supposed to be? You know, they play things a certain way so you know. I mean, like this happened all through um Game of Thrones. <laughs> People would show up and you could tell by the way they were filmed and the reaction of everybody that it's like, Oh my god, it's a big deal from two seasons ago and I'm like, Who is that? Right. You know, because I don't watch that closely. 
I, I would be watching it and go, oh, look, it's Scott Bakula. <laughs> right? I, I wouldn't go, it's mm-hmm. Jonathan Archer. I would just go, oh, they got Scott Bakula to guest star as some guy. Um, okay. And then finally, more Andorians, Orions, and Remans. I don't even know who the Remans are. What are Remans? I don't know. It must have been Enterprise <laughs> or, or or maybe Voyager, but I don't know who they are. Um, and, you know, no. It says here, they never get enough love and they're legitimately terrifying looking. Strong as Romulans and as ferocious as Klingons. So know. they've got to be an Enterprise thing. Because okay. originally, or maybe I read it in a... Um, a fanfic or a profic, there there were these two different groups, the, the Romulans and the Remans, like Romulus and Remus, yeah. but I don't know if they were two different planets or who knows. All right, I'm reading the the, the um, Memory Alpha thing, and it says, the Remans were the slave labor caste of the Romulan people since at least the ah. 22nd century and forced to work in the extremely hazardous dilithium mines. Yes, Enterprise. And then... We saw some of them in Star Trek Nemesis, the terrible movie. So it was both from Enterprise and Star Trek Nemesis, which means we don't have to pay any attention to it, in my opinion. Yeah, which means who cares? A great big who cares. Yeah. Yes. So I I hope that if there are some known aliens in there that we saw in TOS as known species, that's totally fine. But hey, let's explore some other species as well because we can and we don't need uh-huh. those training wheels anymore. Yep. So good. Now we've settled that. I'm happy about that. <laughs> um, Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah. Just put us in charge of all this stuff, man. The other yep. article was from The Nerdist. And it says, how strange new worlds can give us classic Star Trek. And I thought this was a better article because it discussed the sorts of things that they could do without making a numbered list of recommendations, right? Right. (laughs) Um, It talked about how to do it in episodic format. It would make strange new worlds the perfect opportunity to get back to the basics for the 54-year-old franchise. We can once mm-hmm. again have a show that begins with the opening narration of Space the Final Frontier. <gasps> That's right. Which would be amazing. A show about Oh, I would the, love it. Yep. A show about a Federation starship with the best crew in the fleet seeking new life and new civilizations. So I completely agree with that. That's totally what this should be about. Yes. Um, so they also mentioned that they, as, as a show, not just in the plots, but perhaps they should try to hire some more uh, science fiction writers to uh, write Yes, that jumped out at me and I was yeah. going, yeah. That'd be a good idea. And, and then, at the top of the list should be John Scalzi. Yes, that would be good. Uh, and then they suggest that they might do the open door sub- submission policy for scripts again because they used to do that when it yeah. was next generation in ds9 as our we know our, our friend uh, mike hall wrote a script for voyager and submitted it so well and uh i forget his name the guy who wrote tribbles that's how he got in oh right david gerald yeah that was so, his first yes that was his first sale yeah so do it and and i agree with all of those things and then finally and I agree with this 100%. It says, there's one more thing the show needs to do in order to find success. Cut the continuity loose. The issue constricting Discovery in much of its first two seasons is already bogging down. That issue is the notion that it's a prequel to Star Trek. Because of its prequel status, we know exactly where people end up. Um, and it just creates too many problems. So how, mm-hmm. however they solved it, I think that they should just forget about trying to make this completely contiguous because it already isn't so just don't do that 
Just go. Mm-hmm. Just go. Make it what it is. And we'll yep. worry about that later, my opinion. I think... I, I think that's great. And I, I remember when I first read this article, I was going, yes, 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 do those things. Yeah. So all good. And let's hope that the writers take all of that on board. So, oh, yeah. So listeners, we hope you're as excited as we are about the new show. It's just, you know, oh, so good. And such a, a, a fortuitous coming together of things that fans really want and things that the actors really seem to want and things that mm-hmm. the, the writers and producers really seem to want. Everybody wants this to happen. Everybody wants mm-hmm. them to succeed. I think in a way that we haven't really seen with Star Trek, I honestly, I haven't mm-hmm. seen a lot of online hate for this. Like I haven't either. Right off the bat, because I remember when Discovery was announced, they were talking, there were a lot of people who were just like, no, this sucks, I'm not going to watch it. And that has continued through its whole thing, that there's just a group of haters who really don't want to ever see it. But I don't see that happening so far. So I don't either, because I think having this fabulous person at the center of it, who we don't all know from something else... Mm -hmm. And having it be like the Star Trek that us old people fell in love with, there's a huge part of fandom that has been wanting that and wanting that. Yeah, yeah. And we're two of those people. <laughs> we are. We are at least two of those people. Yeah. Jack's in favor of it, too. Um, I want to mention one other thing that was not on our list. I believe it's next week that Space Force uh, premieres. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's on HBO. But right. it's, it's, um, I was going to say it's Michael Scott. It's <laughs> not Michael Scott. It's Steve Carell. Yes. Um, and one of the producers is someone who did The Office. And I've seen a, a, you know, a trailer for it. And it really does look funny. So, you know, we're getting a lot of space shows that are for the fans who like things other than, you know, the, the ships and the fights mm-hmm, and the mm-hmm. battles and everything. So I'm going, well, this is good because I adored Avenue 5. Oh, me too. It was so good. So, yeah. If it's yeah, like and that. it was an it was an aspect of space travel that, you know, for the most part, nobody else was doing, which was commercial with, you know, tourists. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that was, you know, I mean, that whole thing, casting, writing, everything was so good. But so I am looking forward to Space Force. Yes, me too. I definitely want to watch it. So good. So now we have at least something to look forward to. You know, um, not to get too off topic, we will take our break in a second. But I was reading um, an article about the state of the entertainment industry right now, uh, which is Mm. not good because nobody can do anything. People can't get together. They can't make anything except animation. Right. Or doing... And do post-production and you know, on animation and CGI things that you can do alone. Right. Or, or doing yeah. things where people, where the whole plot is that people are Skyping from their homes because it's a, a pandemic. Right. So uh, this person was saying what we're going to be seeing a lot of for the next six months are projects that were filmed and finished and shelved and were never released or projects that kind of didn't get off the ground and, are now getting picked up again and revived because nobody's doing any new development. So it's going to be a kind of a weird time where we're seeing things that might not have made the light of day if we hadn't been in the middle of a pandemic. Well, you know, I agree. And I remember one summer when I was a kid or a teenager, one of the three networks that were available at the time, part of their summer programming was they had 
I think a half hour, you know, once a week, where they showed um, the, like the first episode, the the test episode, whatever you want to call it, because I can't think of the real word, that didn't get picked up. Mm-hmm. And it was actually kind of interesting, and I'm pretty sure at least one show got picked up because the audience liked it a lot. Wow. Well, see, that would be cool. I, they should do experimental things like that because yeah. why not? You know, there's enough channels to push this stuff out on and we're not going to be getting anything new. So let's, right. let's just see what there is and give things a chance. I, I feel very positive about that. Yeah. So, yeah, it'll be, it will be interesting to see what goes on. I mean, the the movies that were supposed to be the big things of the summer are now video on demand. Yep, that's you a know? huge change. I think it's all changing. Mm-hmm. All right, let's take our quick break, and then we'll come back, and we're going to talk about uh, Star Trek, the motion picture. Space, a final frontier. <laughs> These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Listeners, we would love to hear from you. Send us email at lookathisbutt at gmail.com or look us up on Facebook and leave us a comment. Tell us your Trek news. We are. I just have to say that this article, which appears in Screen Rant, made the correct decision by putting a giant picture of William Shatner at the top of this article. But I have to say, I was looking at it earlier today, and I'm going, that is really a terrible picture. It is. You know, it's from the, the movie, the motion picture. Yes, but yes. it's not very flattering. The lighting is bad. Very bad. And we've seen him in some bad toupees, mm-hmm. but this one really, it's not right. No. <laughs> It doesn't look good. It really doesn't look good. No. But but still, it is a giant picture of William Shatner. Uh, and, and how can you go wrong? How yeah, wrong can you go? Exactly. <laughs> you know, if it's interesting to me because the background for this picture is the image of the poster for the movie with the the multicolored right. uh, illustration of him on one side and Spock on the other side. And then mm-hmm. they took this picture, this photograph of him in his uniform and placed it over the front. So his face is actually there twice. And I yeah. just thought, you know, as the editor for this was, they were looking at it and originally it was just the illustration from the movie. And there's like not enough Shatner. Got to put a picture of him in there. That's going to get right. people to read this article. And of course they're right. So <laughs> It's like needs more cowbell. Needs That's more right. Shatner. <laughs> Always. 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 <laughs> There you go. Uh, This is an interesting article. It talks about what could have been for the motion picture. And some of this was stuff I didn't know. So that was good. I like finding Mm -hmm. out things. I did know some of the stuff. So I think most people know that getting that first picture made was not easy because there were a lot of fingers in the pie. People wanted different things out of it. They weren't sure that they were going to get the whole cast back together. Right. And. 
and then it was like approved and then it wasn't mm-hmm. and you know that happened a couple of times yep. and then they had different scripts floating around and eventually it ended up being the thing that it is which was basically the nomad script but different yes um one thing i wanted to say they do talk about harlan ellison's script which i knew about because harlan had written about it in a couple of his books and mm-hmm. it's interesting in the way that it's said in this article they don't give away the plot which i'm going to because i thought it was a really good idea like of course because he came up with it it's a great idea his story is that uh people start morphing into reptilians there's a planet on the far side of the galaxy and they have to go the enterprise has to go figure it out and then there's a new villainous alien race and i remember this story in in one of harlan's books where he says that the studio executive was obsessed with Mayans because he had just read Chariots of the Gods and so he kept (laughs) saying but can we put Mayans into it and Ellison is like no because it takes place in prehistoric times with dinosaurs and stuff and the guy's like but Mayans and he's like but no there are no Mayans so it didn't work out Uh, so the plot was that the original inhabitants of the planet were like Uh, reptilians like the dinosaurs had developed into Mm -hmm. humanoids and they were pissed off because mammals took over and they were related to this other species on the other side of the galaxy and they were coming back to retake earth and be the rightful owners of it like they used to be so Mm -hmm. you know not so simple as oh these are aliens who are coming to invade it's like well they were here first so what do we do about this which i just thought was extremely cool mm-hmm. as an idea you know borrowed a little bit from some stuff that's happened in doctor who but still a really good idea for a script yeah uh, let's see the story would have likely facilitated much more action than the motion picture with kirk drop kicking gorn lookalikes at will yay <laughs> sounds very fun to me yeah that would yes. be good uh, let's see. So the next one is Planet of the Titans. And I... Now, this one I've heard of. I've Have heard you really? Story. Well, yeah. And I think so, at one point, I'm not sure, but at one point, some version of this with possibly a different ending might have been a pro fit. But I know oh, yeah. I have heard this as something that was pitched or possibly at one point decided on for the movie. Oh, okay. So it's a time travel story, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And... They go back in time, and then there's the usual timey-wimey stuff where they, the crew of the Enterprise ends up being the thing that they were puzzled about in their own time, right? They, mm-hmm. they were the, the solution to the mystery. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so that sounds good. Um, what was the next one? Oh, no, those were it. Those were the two that they talked about. Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought there were more than that. I, I wish I, – I feel like there were others because I think I was reading in the – 50-year mission book that there were a couple of other ideas that were floating around as well. Well, maybe these are the only ones these guys ran across. Yeah, that's true. The author of this article. Yeah, so those would have been good. I I would have liked it. But, you know, it feels like the motion picture that they ended up making was just the one that they could get made, you know, given all of the restrictions that they had and what they had to work with and the cast and the money and all the rest of it, that was as, maybe as good as they could have done <laughs> at the time. I well, I think their big mistake, first of all, was it is basically just the, um, as you said, what is it, the V'ger script over, what was it called? Nomad. Nomad, thank you, I couldn't think of that. That was a mistake to just basically remake that. But mm-hmm. the bigger mistake, I think, 
and it's one they were all really excited about, was getting Robert Wise to direct. Yeah, that's He true. was the wrong director for mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. Yep, it just was not a good fit. As good as a director as he is, not for this mm-hmm. particular thing. Um, right. And I think it says here that Roddenberry's original story uh, for the movie featured supreme beings getting too big for their boots and receiving a stern talking to from one James T. Kirk. And the executives didn't like that. Of course, some of those ideas made it into Star Trek V, Bill's movie, mm-hmm. which people didn't seem to like. But I do remember reading that he Roddenberry was pissed that they didn't like his script and was very difficult through the whole process of trying to develop mm-hmm. the movie. There were certain things he insisted on, you know, the way that, that Ilya is uh, like horribly sexualized. Of course, that was all him. And of course. The idea of the Deltons being these incredible sexual beings that they have to take a vow of celibacy. Also his idea, of course, you know, he, he just insisted on shoehorning a lot of this stuff in and they couldn't really say no to him. And it was very, yeah. very difficult to, to just get things done. Yeah. We, we are really just lucky that they didn't say, OK, well, obviously Star Trek can't be movies because <sighs> with Wrath of Khan, they made everything right. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, the, the script, the director, it's about the characters. Yeah, they're in space and they're doing space things and. And meeting aliens and having a, a, a conflict, but it's about those people. Mm-hmm. So they learned. Maybe that was the point, was just they had to learn from the mistake <laughs> of the, the first one and also have less of a budget and just do things yep. better and more cheaply and solve the problems without trying to rely mm-hmm. on the special effects to solve yep. all their problems. Mm-hmm. You know, that's uh, just the way you do things. You have to have a strategy. You can't rely on the fancy yep. stuff to solve it if you don't have a strategy. I say that in my real job all the time. <laughs> um, I have a friend, gosh, we probably go back 40 years or so. He's a playwright. I'm very good friends with him and his wife. And he, maybe because he is a playwright, but he's also been a director and an actor and everything. He has some really interesting insights on things. And <laughs> he says, when he goes to a show and sits down in the seat and looks at the stage, and you can see the scenery and everything. And the scenery tells you the director had a concept. <laughs> you should get up and walk out then. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I get it. I understand what he means. And, yeah. and when they have a concept, the focus is on the concept, which comes out in the scenery and the costumes and strange lighting and, you know, strange sounds. Not so mm-hmm. much in the actors because... There's only so much you can do conceptually, you know. All the actors can't suddenly be 12 feet tall. But, yeah, it, it's kind of a giveaway where yeah, the energy has gone. Sometimes it works. I'm, I'm thinking of um, Ian McKellen did that adaptation of uh, Richard III, I guess, where it was Nazis. Like, Yes, I saw that. And it's, you can stream it now. I, it came up. But I saw it in the theater. I thought that was excellent. Yeah. So there's an example of an, a, a director or a, a person who was producing it who had a concept, but he's brilliant. Mm-hmm. So he actually made it work and he got everybody to buy into it. Right. That right. happens rarely, rarely. <laughs> Very rarely. <laughs> <laughs> I was also at a production of whatever Shakespeare play it is that opens probably, no, it wasn't Richard III. Anyway, with um, If Music Be the Fruit of Love play on. Mm-hmm. So the thing starts and the person's on stage and he says, if music be the fruit of love, play on. And the guy I was dating at the time went, I hate it and walked out. 
you know, fair, a fair reaction. <laughs> you know, you pay your money, you get to make the decision That's what right. to watch. <laughs> and, and, you know, if you know from the first line of a play that you're going to hate it, leave because yeah why torture you really want to sit around and be proven right because he really made the right choice exactly (laughs) yes i i i wish i'd done that you know we 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 as friends have had conversations about things that we've walked out on and and you have Mm -hmm. no hesitation about walking out on things i usually do uh i have hesitation with plays but with movies yeah i i went to see the play Spring Awakening, the musical in New York. Yeah. It was with a group of people. And I hated it from the first minute that it was on. Mm. And I really wish I'd left because it was two hours of torture for me. And I know that many people love this play and they love the music and all the people I was with loved it too. And I fucking hated that thing. And I wish I'd left. It would have been great. I just wish I'd faked illness or something and just said, I can't <laughs> sit through this because it for me, it was so painful, so awful. I have never seen it. Um, I have a friend who uh, was on a sales team, and the whole team was given tickets to Evita. Oh. And they went, and my friend said, you know, it started and went on, and all I could think was, what horrible thing did we do that they're making us see this? (laughs) (laughs) Uh So, you know, it's kind of a to each their own, but I know. Spring Awakening, I have not seen, but it um, it arouses strong feelings in people. It's a hate it or love it show. Yeah, I, I, I can see that. That is correct. Anyway, getting back to the topic <laughs> at hand, everybody loves Star well, Trek. I've forgotten because, what that was. <laughs> oh, well, Star Trek, everybody loves Star Trek because it's awesome and it's great. And, you know, how could you yes. hate Star Trek? Uh, let's talk about know. Walter Koenig for a minute because... There's an interview here. This is in uh, trekmovie.com. And he has put out a new updated edition of his autobiography, which is called Beaming Up and Getting Off, Life Before and Beyond Star Trek. And I have never read his original biography. Did you read it? I didn't know we had one. (laughs) Uh, It was called Warped Factors. And I understand it was pretty good. I'm now kind of curious to read this because of the Mm -hmm. things he says in this interview, Uh, especially, especially about Bill. Good shilling, Walter. Yeah. So good idea for him to do it. And he, he's a very thoughtful, well-spoken kind of guy, you know, the, the, Mm -hmm. because it's Trek movie, all of the questions that they asked him just about were about Star Trek. And he's pretty clear that. He recognizes his part in track was very small and he feels like attending cons and doing all the things that he's doing now for the very little part of his life that that occupied is a really fucking weird thing to do. <laughs> and and honestly, I agree with him about that because he's done a ton of other things and it's great that he can go to conventions and make some money and, and do all of that. But I think it must be very weird to be doing that for a job that didn't last very long. And even in the movies, you know, like in two, he had a big part, but in the others, he wasn't in uh, four, you know, he, he had some stuff to do in four, but it wasn't like this huge part of his life. He had um, so many other things that came after it that he did and he's written and been in other TV shows. And I don't know. I, I think he has a good attitude about it. You know, he hasn't let it be the thing that defines him. And, it was nice to know that he, as he says in this interview, he feels 
differently. I guess differently. His attitude towards Bill is, is different than it was. It was interesting that the interviewer says, um, your first memoir also had a few candid Shatner stories as well. Do you think that this recent uh, conversation that you had with him backstage at some convention is going to be as good as you get for closure with Bill? And he says, no, we don't have closure. <laughs> so, okay, let's be honest about that. Uh, he says, I was candid, and what you see in the memoir reflected my sentiment at the time as it does now. Mr. Shatner comes from a different place and a different philosophy and a different set of values. He argues that he is not at fault and not guilty of any social misdemeanor, and I say misdemeanor and not felony because it never achieved that status. And I thought that was a very fair thing to say. And then he goes on, in the book, I also acknowledge his talent and acknowledge his availability and responsibility in making Star Trek the success it was. He was an enormous part of the reason that why Star Trek continued through three seasons on television and the six movies. So thank you, Walter, for just being so direct about that. It's nice to see one of the other cast members acknowledging that and just saying it without having to get all bitchy about it. Oh, so um, when he was on Shatner's Raw Nerve, they they were talking about the big question of was Bill invited or not? Did mm-hmm. he was he invited and did he snub them? Did he not get an invitation? But then they got into the fact that um, Walter was the best man and Nichelle mm-hmm. was the maid of honor, mm-hmm. and so it kind of made it a Star Trek event. So it was a much yeah. bigger event than George Takei getting married, you know, a lot more publicity and a lot more attention. And Bill asked Walter, he said, so do you feel you were used? And Walter <laughs> said, yes. So I'm kind of getting the feeling that, I don't know, George is almost the Iago <laughs> in this <laughs> strange thing you know it's not enough that he's got it out for bill everybody else has it out for bill too you know that yeah. that's what he wants yeah i can't help but feel I think, that way yeah i i i think that's right it's just it's so weird to me that it's it's still going on right like so many years later they don't have to be friends but why 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 do they still have to bitch at each other you know it's as bad as like Betty Davis or somebody why why do you have to keep doing this through (laughs) your whole entire life I don't know it doesn't make any sense to me but for Walter anyway from this interview I get the feeling that he is if he's not over it he's at least past it you know it's just not Mm -hmm. interesting to him anymore he has other things that he'd rather think about or talk about he's written a new book he they asked him very specifically would you be on uh, Picard or something, would you come back as Chekhov? And he just said, no, I'm not interested. It's not a thing I want to do. I did everything that I wanted to do with that character. It's not a thing that I'm interested in in any way. And I think that that's totally fair. If it's not something that he can get behind, why would he want to do it? Just, you know, for the stunt casting, right? The stunt casting, yeah. And, you know, if you can afford to say no, then say no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, exactly. and it doesn't. I'm not saying he's rolling in it, but it sounds like money isn't a consideration since he was already saying no, not doing it. Yeah. So yeah. you know, I say good for him. Yep, I do too. He's very funny. He's very self-deprecating. They asked him uh, 
what when in-person events come back do you expect to continue with public appearances and he says i had six conventions planned for this year and i was drawing the line there as i mentioned before it becomes a little awkward to feel all this praise and affection for something i have not contributed to greatly over the course of so many years <laughs> yeah. And there are a lot of people out there who have no idea who I am. They see this 83-year-old bald guy walking around and they say, who is that? <laughs> it's true. <laughs> yeah, it is true. So I I like his attitude. I, I think it's very good. So it's a good interview. You guys should all read it. He, he has a lot of other things to say about making the movies and his involvement and things like that. So... His book, I looked for it. I did not see it available. Maybe it's not out yet, or maybe it's just not available. But it's called Beaming Up and Getting Off. And if I can get hold of it, I might read it because it sounds like it would be an entertaining read, if nothing else. And of course, I would report back on anything that has to do with Bill within the context of the book. Of course, of course, yes. <laughs> so we have to keep our eye open. Um, if conventions are still shut down for some time to see if Bill is doing more of these virtual ones. Um, yes. I seem to just get that kind of news, which is fine with me because that was, that was great. And of course we will be very closely following any developments with the Captain Pike show. Yeah, we will be recording on reporting on anything that comes up that we hear about and squeeing over it. I think I can use that word because that very much described me as I was doing yes. it, just going like, this is so amazing. It's great. Yes, yes. Um, and I was so glad to be reading that and not being at work where you can't go, yeah, you know, or things like that. So, Yes, it's good. It's good. So there, there's a good thing. There is a good, good thing. Something to look forward to. So with that, listeners, I think we are done with this show. We will be back with more stuff soon. Uh, probably in between, we'll have a watch along of something at some point. We were using the... 2.7 extension, which worked pretty well once we got some of the crap figured out, but it seemed to be uh, pretty all right. Yeah, I, I think it was down to, to trying to interface with Amazon. So maybe we will try not to interface with Amazon from now on. That seemed to be uh, problematic in some ways. Yes. You are the technical end of this operation. Yeah. And if we ever figure out what I am, we'll, we'll talk about that too. Maybe you're the plucky comic relief. So uh, thank you all, everyone, for sticking with us and for being there on Facebook and all the rest of it. We love having you as our, our listeners, and we love sharing stuff with you. So we hope you're all doing well and still sheltering and taking care of yourself and washing your hands obsessively, as we are, because that's what we all need to be doing right now. So uh, basically, you know, as we keep saying, stay home, watch Star Trek, and as always, live long and potluck. Let's see, what do we have next? This one's from Kitty. You worked with so many people in theater, television, and film. Who has given you the best advice or inspired you? Oh, wow. You know, my two favorite actors uh, when I was a uh, uh, young, young actor was Laurence Olivier, Sir Laurence Olivier, and Marlon Brando. Two totally opposite actors. One was a classical uh, Shakespearean actor out of England, Sir Lawrence Olivier. And of course, Marlon Brando was this method actor who 
spoke from his uh, gut and was a sensation in film as well as theater, by the way. I took from both of them. I'm a Canadian, and it always struck me that I was halfway between England and America. So I took from both of them. Uh, I, I came from a classical theater. I was a Shakespearean actor for years uh, in, in Canada, a member of the uh, Stratford Shakespeare Company in, out of Ontario, uh, Ontario, Canada. But I also admired the down and dirty uh, guttural acting of uh, the great American actors. And I found myself able to do both. So I think I took from both of the, the I took from both of them and the, what they represented. Uh, that's what, that's how I uh, learned what I did. Kitty, thank you for that great question. 